This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Smith. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, November 17th. Sweden-based wireless car has been in the business of helping automakers find ways to collect, analyze, and monetize connected car data for more than 20 years. The company includes among its clients BMW, Nissan, Volkswagen, Subaru, Jaguar, and Volvo, and has recently announced an expansion into the United States, opening an office in the Detroit area. Greg Gieselhart, vice president of the Americas for Wireless Car, says the expansion is a reflection of the company's steadfast vision to not only lead the industry in monetizing connected car data, but also accelerate it in ways that help empower the company's global customers to provide innovative digital services. And how they do that, says Gieselhart, has evolved over the past 20 years, from a business that traditionally would have been referred to as a telematics service provider to one that is working across many facets and services related to connected car data, services ranging from diagnostics into the vehicle to remote door unlock capabilities. He says the holy grail of that strategy is not delivering one service particularly well. Rather, it's figuring out how to bundle all of the data and potential service models into ways that create value for a number of stakeholders, including OEMs, dealers, and customers. How is the company going about delivering those bundled value-added services? What's his point of view on consumer willingness to pay for those services? And how can automakers become successful creators and providers of digital services? We've caught up with Greg Gieselhart, VP of the Americas for Wireless Car in Greensboro, North Carolina. Greg, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Steve. Thank you for joining us on the show. Very exciting conversation today. Let's start with, can you tell us a little bit about Wireless Car? What's the mission of the company? Absolutely. Uh, and I would start by saying I go in with the vision of the company to start with. And uh, really, it's to lead the automotive industry in the digital society. Um, we've been doing this for almost 22 years now. Um, so in, in the terms of the connected vehicle space, we're, we're rather old. and. Um, but our, our, but our vision really is to, to lead the industry. We want to accelerate it. We really want to empower our customers. We want to provide um, innovative um, digital services to them to help them with their own mobility future, I'll say. Um, dropping down from the vision part and going into a mission, it's really about us making a difference. It's about helping our customers um, see a holistic approach. And our customers are the OEMs. Um, we've worked, I think, with about 13 OEM programs over the last 20 plus years. Uh, we have about 8 million cars connected around the world uh, in something of the range of 85 markets. Uh, we're a company of about 630 people as of today. We've been growing exponentially over the last few years. Um, a goal that we have in making a difference in the next uh, two to three years is to connect a uh, hundred million cars. So going from eight million to a hundred million is a is a big step, but we're scaling ourselves for that. Um, and really, it's about helping uh, our customers unleash their own potential in this new digital world. Can you describe some of the automakers you're working with and dive a little deeper into some of those solutions that are being deployed through those collaborations? 
It's a great question. The the OEMs we work with our customers, um, we really want to support them globally and and help them um, provide services to their customers around the world, which is no small feat, right? Uh, the U.S. has really been a, I'll say it's a mature market. It's kind of changing the paradigm of how we do business. But of course, there's, there's a lot of countries around the world um, that aren't at that level or that par. And uh, what we've helped them do uh, from a global perspective is, is um, provide the technology to offer these services. Uh, traditionally, we've really been a technology provider and integrator working on behalf of the car manufacturers to allow them to pr provide services. Uh, so we've been we've referred to ourselves as a long time and traditionally as a telematic service provider really as kind of the spider in the web because there's a lot of different integration points in the connected vehicle. It's an integration point in the vehicle into what we would refer to as the telematics control unit. Um, and then to provide said set of services, you need to integrate with a map provider. You need to integrate with call centers. Uh, you need to integrate with an MNO so you can provide a, a, a mobile network operator uh, to provide these services. Um, and these services can be anything from um, diagnostics into the car to um, remote services, a door unlock, um, um, remote start, you know, every one years ago, people were looking for the holy grail. What is every customer going to want? And I would, I would venture to say that there is not a holy grail in a particular service. I think it's more around bundles of services and what the value is for, for the um, stakeholder themselves because the stakeholder is going to be different, right? The OEM is going to have their own need. The end customer is going to have their own need. Um, the OEM's dealership network is going to have their own need. Uh, so we're trying to, to help them provide services within those particular segments. And working in the global marketplace, that all becomes much more complex, much more exacerbated when you layer in consumer wants from market to market. Uh, consumers' willingness to pay for some of these services, mm -hmm. and frankly, regulation from market to market, particularly when it comes to consumer privacy, data protection, et cetera. How are you navigating all of that with your customers? Uh, there's a there's a lot to unpack in that question. Um, the I'll start with the consumer side and what they're willing to pay for. And if you go back, say, in the 70s, 80s, I mean, I'm not sure you were really seeing customers wanting to pay for a seatbelt. Um, but from a safety perspective, it was starting to be built into the price of the car. And I would see, say something or see something similar in today's world with connected services. A lot of it is about extending the um, safety in the car for the consumer, as an example. I heard a disturbing I'll say disturbing um, statistic this morning. In fact, on the news, the first six months of um, uh, of this year, there were 20,000 um, traffic fatalities in the United States, um, which to me is a tremendous amount, right? It's uh, I think we normally average somewhere around 30,000, give or take a little bit. Um, and if we can offer something to the market, if the OEMs can offer their, their customers a way to um, ensure their safety in a better way, uh, they can do so. So you have um, 
emergency calling or you have roadside assistance, you can do it in a more timely fashion through a connected vehicle. And that, if you've maybe heard of the golden hour, you're able to get emergency vehicles to the site of a, a accident quicker and get them to a hospital, their chance of recovery is exponentially more. Uh, so I think <clears throat> the table stakes in the game and the customer's willingness to pay for it partially, I think, is being um, embedded into the price of the car just as the car advances itself. Um, but then there's other things that what can I get on my headset versus the car um, versus the what's in the car itself. And the willingness to pay, I think, uh, and you might know this, is uh, is not extremely high. I think there's a low threshold for what they're willing to pay for. Um, and I think the question is going to come down to the to the customers themselves, what can I get for it? Or where where really is the business value here? Is it about me being able to push a button for an emergency call or um, if an airbag is deployed that a, that a signal is sent to a um, call center and help? Um, that's one thing, but the vast majority of, of where the money is is, is in the, the car, the uh, OEM themselves. Um, saving money, saving money towards warranty costs, understanding um, where their diagnostics can help them evaluate how components are working. Um, how can they improve their um, customer relationship management? How can they create a link directly towards their end customers that they haven't traditionally had in the past? And I think that value far outweighs you know, what a customer is actually paying for. Yeah, absolutely. At least on the end customer side, right? Right. It comes and down then to I cost, think, yeah. convenience, or or even safety. And in, in in my experience, right, if you if you talk about these solutions, if you talk about these services from a safety perspective, you seem to get a little bit more resonance with consumer. I'm 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 a dad of a 16 year old boy. He's yeah. driving, and I will pay for the connected service in his vehicle because I it it just brings me peace of mind. Frankly, I used it a couple of weeks ago when his cell phone died and I couldn't get a hold of him. I, right. We called directly into the vehicle. And those are the type of safety things that I think really resonate with consumers. And you have, you know, and, and you can extend these services today. And now we're talking kind of like the um, the table stakes of these services. But you can do um, geofencing. You can do time fencing. You can do speed alerts, you know. So you're informed as a, as a parent, especially I have three teenage daughters. And uh, so I'm living similarly to you that I, I'm concerned about their safety. I want to know where they are. And if I can't get a hold of them, of course, I want to I want to be able to uh, see where they're at, which I which I could potentially do. Um, but there's now, of course, um, with the expansion of how the industry is changing, we talk about an acronym called CASE, um, connectivity, electromobility, um, Shared autonomous. Shared and autonomous. Exactly. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And those, you know, that's starting to push the need for other things. The electromobility piece, especially where you're trying to, uh, you need to support a product in the marketplace. You know, I can't, I need to be able to have my electric car connected uh, so I can understand what my range is. Where's the next charging uh, point that I need to go to in the event that my um, my battery's running low? So those type of things are real business cases that are out there to support the product that's in the marketplace. You talk a lot on your website about open, agile collaboration with your customers. What does that mean? How does that actually manifest itself? 
It is a new, uh, relatively new, I'll say we've been engaged in this now for maybe the last four years. It's really a method of working with our customers to speed up time to market, speed up what is what they're putting out onto the marketplace instead of the long traditional waterfall effect of we're going to plan for the next year or 18 months and slow as it goes and ultimately you get another service out there um, agile planning is really working with our customers together in a room uh, on in 12-week sprints or base or 12-week um, um, integrals where we have sprints that we plan. This is what we're going to do. And we do it together with the cust- with all of our customers to make sure that we're putting out to the market what they want. Um, and it also means that we've, we've changed philosophies of having development teams. And then once that code is put into production, that someone else is supporting it and working with a DevOps mentality. So the people that are developing the code, they're also supporting it operationally. And if they need to make a change, they're the ones that are best suited to do it. So it's really helping us with time to market. It's helping our customers um, get out the the services that they want to uh, in a in the roadmap that fits them. We'll be right back with more. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for trade appraisals missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves. From appointment scheduling through final confirmation, all in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for both CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service lane. GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. You talked a minute ago about growing, scaling from 8 million vehicles to 100 million vehicles. Can we expand on that? What is going on right now at the company relative to its expansion efforts? What's the plan? What's the objective? So the so scale is important, right? And if you have in 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 connected car world or in the digital world, if you're going to have something into production, whether you have one thing or a million things or 10 million things, you need to be able to scale for that. So one of the things we're doing is uh, over the last few years, we've gone from on-prem where all of our hardware is in our own secure locations to working with uh, cloud providers in uh, Microsoft or in Amazon um, to have our our services hosted in the cloud, essentially. And um, that's helping us scale. Um, It's helping us also then being able to provide our services to our customers around the world uh, at a more cost-effective level. 
Um, some of the things that are in the background that we used to do as a, as a technology provider, we don't necessarily need to do or focus on now. Um, they're becoming much more a part of everyday life in our digital society, whether it's automotive or some other vertical uh, that, that is addressed. So I think that, um, that in itself is helping us uh, provide our services to our customers. Then from a from a purely staffing perspective, um, how do we support these customers? I think in the beginning I said we operate services in about 85 countries around the world. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we don't have um, 85 offices around the world, um, but we do have centers where we we are um, actively working with our customers to to um, address the regional needs uh, and support them as such. Uh, we have. I think we're at about 60 or 65 people in China. Um, in uh, Germany is a, our next area of expansion, our headquarters in Gothenburg, Sweden. I think we have roughly 530 or 40 people. Um, here in the U.S., um, we're relatively small scale. We're only about 20 people here in the U.S., um, and here in the U.S., we actually account for about 3 million of our 8 million connected cars. Um, mm. So what it goes to show is that we don't need the people really physically in the country per se. Um, the roles that we have here or in, or in China or will in Germany, they're very much more customer-facing, um, working with our customers. The development can be done in Sweden. Of course, it can be done here, and we have um, development people here and in China as well. Um, but it's really about supporting them. And, you know, interestingly, pre-COVID, um, we were very much a distributed workforce already um, just from our heritage, working with offices here in the U.S. towards our colleagues in Sweden and in China. Um, when COVID hit, we were pretty well prepared to be working remotely. Um, so, you know, there, there was a period of months, of course, in the beginning where the world was really an unknown, right? And we didn't know what was going to, to happen. Um, I think the automotive industry itself, especially in the beginning, um, they had a dip, but they recovered quite nicely. And uh, as a supplier to the automotive world, we were, we were really able to, to stay um, as a good supplier based on what we had done in the past. So did how automakers and other suppliers, you know, I, I would assume that some of your customers are likely suppliers and you're putting your services inside their components. Did their adjustments to going virtual, to navigating through the pandemic, did any of that slow down these growth expansions, the, this growth plans for, for you and your company? Uh, generally speaking, I would say no. Um, of course, upfront, you know, now we're talking about the whatever it was, March to June, mm -hmm. that those handful of months where it, there was a lot of unknown uh, and people were trying to adapt, right? Especially our customers. They were <laughs> they were used to going to work in, uh, in Detroit or in mm -hmm. Beijing or Shanghai or in Munich or in Gothenburg, Sweden. Um, they were... They were traditionally used to going into a large-scale office environment, and um, this had a big disruption for those first few months. But I think that everyone found out rather quickly that we were able to employ all of us in the in the ecosystem of of putting together the connected car that we could do this for remotely. And I, it surprised me. I I think that uh, it was, I won't say completely seamless, but it went pretty darn well. 
So we talked about this. You might have touched upon this a little bit earlier, potential services. If I'm an automaker, if I'm a supplier listening to our conversation right now, I'm thinking about how I can best harness the opportunities that come from connected cars and connected car <laughs> data. Can you talk a little bit about what car makers need to do to become successful creators, providers of digital services for connected cars uh, using using not only the data but some of the services that wireless car um, wireless car can can provide? I think the uh, the number one aspect that an OEM needs to look at is how they organize themselves internally and who are the stakeholders themselves. And of course, there are OEMs that are far, far more mature than others. Um, Some of them are big scale ones. You would think obviously are the more mature ones, not necessarily the case. Um, But having a, a solid grasp of who do I who values the data internally um, within our respective company? Is it R&D? Is it the sales guys? Is it CRM people? Is it our dealers? Is it, um, is it a profit and loss center for selling services? All of those people are in, engaged in this area. We've seen changes uh, over the last couple of years, I think, where um, the OEMs, among others, are starting to create titles like chief digital officer, mm-hmm. and that person is having a profound effect within the organization of understanding where is each person or department or organization um, getting critical business value from. We we know this very well at Wireless Car, and it's one of the areas we've worked on for 20 years is trying to bring these organizations together. Hey, you guys, have you talked to your logistics people about shipping vehicles? When are they going to be delivered to uh, to um, to the dealer? Or working with the R&D people about, hey, you know, we could uh, um, um, take the data out of certain components and help you understand, are they performing the way you want to? Or is there a problem um, when they're in altitude or when it's in rain or, you know, being able to evaluate different variables. So I think the key f- from our point of view has been able to help guide the OEMs um, into the new digital world. And part of it has been through our experience, of course. Part of it is through this agile way of working. Um, and part of it now actually is changing how the industry operates. Um, I would say the industry now is roughly th- 25 years old, the first 15 years was 99% oriented to uh, the technology side of it, trying to Mm -hmm. make sure everything worked. Now, gradually, the last 10 years, much more so the last five years has been around, um, okay, now the technology works. What type of services can we uh, employ out to the marketplace or to ourselves or to our partners and start monetizing that? And I think that maturity is a light bulb has gone off in a lot of people's heads. Um, what do I want to own in this landscape, in this ecosystem? Do I, do I, as an OEM, do I want to own this connectivity to the vehicle or do I want to outsource it? So I think we see uh, the OEMs are engaging a couple of different strategies. Um, if they want to own it, and, and as I say, the, 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 business that we had for a long time that we thrived on ourselves is being an integrator. If that role is being uh, taken now by a lot of the OEMs, what we have recognized is, is that, okay, they're going to be the integrator for their for their own vehicles, which 
I can understand that approach, but what we can do is layer products on top of it. We have 20 years of experience where we can put products out there that we're starting to package now. And it can be for um, remote services. It can be for um, call center services, as we as we call them. It can We can still fill the role of an integrator. Um, but what we're trying to do is take standardized data that's coming out from vehicles now, uh, offer them products that are quicker to market, uh, more cost-effective, uh, not only provide the table stakes, as we mentioned before, but also um, new services uh, like EV routing, um, being able to um, optimize uh, someone's drive in their in their car and not only take away range anxiety, but, uh, but also the anxiety of knowing whether a charging station is going to be available or even working. Yeah, let's stick with EV because you talked about 20, 25 years in the telematics business and how that business has matured. Certainly EVs are next and and understanding where charging stations are, understanding how my electric vehicle is currently being used, et cetera, et cetera. Talk a little bit about what kind of use cases connected car technology, perhaps beyond where to find a charging station, can help uh, bring Usher in this, this future of electrified transportation. The electrified uh, transportation piece, and, and part of it is I, I have an, an EV myself. Um, the range anxiety is real. And, you know, what I want to know is when I'm going to go from point A to point B, it's not necessarily char- finding a charging station. It's knowing if I'm even going to be able to get from point A to point B or what I'm going to do on the return and understanding variables that fit into that decision-making process. So uh, the weight of the vehicle or what I, maybe I'm towing something or the topography or the weather, if it's hotter, if it's cold, you know, taking all of those aspects in and making sure I can give myself a little peace of mind right when I'm driving from point A to point B and making sure that that uh, that I can get there over and above that then you're talking about um, battery consumption being able to help the OEMs themselves understand you know how is my battery performing um, what how can I take that information back into my own either R&D people or my own suppliers and utilize that um, as we see now with with the EVs, especially uh, a lot of, I'll say, semi-autonomous features rolling out, and and what does that give us? Uh, it's probably in the future, or not probably. It's going to give us more time, not only as a passenger but as a driver, um, being able to do other things when I'm in the car. If the car is taking over, and what can I do from a connected vehicle point of view at that point, and I think there's a lot of things, if we're talking about the maturity of where connected cars are today in the traditional um, um, combustion engine, um, we're pretty early in the stages of understanding what what are our real needs going to be in the EVs and the autonomous side. You've talked about plans for the business to grow and to scale to serve more clients, your technology in more and more car more and more cars over the, the the future. Why don't we close with what in the near term is next for the company? What's the next big milestone you're marching toward? Well, you know, the obvious one I think is for many, many people, regardless of industry you're in, it's coming out post-COVID and uh, <laughs> starting to get back into 
how we used to do business. I'm excited because in a couple of weeks, we're going to be up in Detroit for Automotive Technology Week. I think it's the week before Thanksgiving um, at our first face-to-face conference. (laughs) So, you know, for me, that's an exciting one. And just getting back and, you know, I think one of the things, at least for me, has been networking with people. CES is coming up again in in January. I would expect that um, that will be... uh, I don't know if it'll be heavily attended, but I think a lot of people have their sights set on that as kind of their first return to um, getting out to a, to a conference. Uh, so I'm excited about that just from a, from a personal perspective or professional perspective. Um, then what I touched on, you know, more specifically to our industry and what's happening, and you brought, you mentioned regulation um, before. Uh, didn't really cover it too much, but, you know, regulations driving a lot of different needs in different places in the world. Um, in Europe, they have an e-call regulation to make sure that if you're in an accident that um, um, you're able to get emergency vehicles to your location. So obviously that's a driver. Um, we're looking at different regions in the world that are start, starting to talk now or have mandated about electric vehicles. So that's going to drive things. And where is that going to take us, I think, is a little bit, um, or it's an unknown, of course, but it's a um, it's going to be a market driver for us. And what I'm excited about with, within Wireless Car is, not only working towards these drivers, that whether it's market-oriented or regulation-oriented, but also that this industry is really starting to mature and we're able to, to shift our focus from, okay, we're going to customize everything for every single customer to more standardization of things and being able to package a product, overlay that onto something, and we can deploy that, whether it's in India or in Germany or in the U.S. or Canada. And I think that's going to help the the industry um, across um, not only, so I'll say, four-wheelers, but it's going to influence it on the trucking side. It's going to influence on um, uh, motorcycles. It's going to change how all transport, I think, is addressed. Greg, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. Fascinating conversation, fascinating insights. We look forward to following oh, Wireless my. Car and hearing more about the company in the future. I appreciate it, Steve. I've enjoyed the conversation. That's Daily Drive for Wednesday, November 17th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash daily drive. As always, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.